Hello everyone and welcome to Quality Talks. You're here with Kathy Balding and my very special guest today, Glenda Gorey. Hello Glenda. Hello there, how are you? Uh, I am alright, but we're going to hear a lot more about how you are uh, <laughs> over the next uh, little while. Uh, Glenda and I have known each other for many years. We got to know each other as colleagues working in healthcare quality, mm. uh, specifically in the Department of Health here in Victoria. Now, Glenda has very generously agreed to share her experiences of being on the other side of the bed, so to speak, mm. as a patient, uh, having been diagnosed with cancer a few months ago. There is no doubt in my mind that her unique perspective and understanding of the healthcare system will give us many insights into what's important, what's not important, and what patient-centred care really means. So thank you so much, Glenda. Uh, I can't tell you how much I appreciate oh, It's a this. pleasure. Perhaps I'll hand over to you, uh, Glenda, and, and let you tell us a little bit about how all this came about. Mm, sure, sure. It, it, well, it's one of life's cruel jokes, in fact, how this all came about. Um, so, yes, I, 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 Kathy and I have worked together. We've known each other for a long time. We call each other comrade. We've, <laughs> we've been in the, the war grounds together. Okay. Um, but late last year, you know, after a long time working with the government and working in health and working specifically really in quality and safety, I, I made a decision, a life decision, that I was going to have a change of pace and really, really look to do something different with my life. And I think it's something that, you know, women of a certain age get to a point yes. and we think, hang on, just a second, a bit of time for us, please. Yes. So I, um, I left my job with the intention of really embarking on a new phase of life and then luck as it would have gave me a diagnosis of cancer and, and unfortunately it's one of those cancers that doesn't give you a lot in the way of hope for yes. the future. So just, just so people understand where I'm coming from, I've, I've been diagnosed with a cancer of the pancreas and uh, it's a stage four so I've got extensive spread of the disease. I am being treated at the yes. moment and I am being treated with uh, chemotherapy and I've had some radiotherapy as well. But at this stage, things are not looking that great. I'm in the unique position of being very well aware of what what my mortality is, is looking like and, yes. and that I'll be looking at that, you know, perhaps a bit sooner than I had anticipated. No, 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 no. I was thinking overseas holidays. Yes, absolutely. A little bit of study, yes. something a bit fun. Yes. So I guess the challenge that that I have now, of course, is how do I still try and pursue those things yes. with the time that I've got, keeping in mind it's not going to look exactly as I had yes. hoped. And I think one of the things that has struck me, and there's been a lot of things that have struck me, but one of the things that struck me is just how closely I need to be working with the clinicians and all of those people who are responsible with my care and treatment yes. uh, and how much of my time that that actually takes up. So a good part of my life now is going to be actually in the in the passenger seat yes. in healthcare in a way that I hadn't yes. expected. And yet you knew this from the technical side, didn't yes. you? Uh, we've been talking mm. about it, obviously, patient-centred care and patients oh, as yeah. partners for yeah. years and years yep. and years. Yep. But tell us a little bit about your experience of that from yeah. your perspective now? Uh, so, I, I mean, I don't want to appear overly cynical because I think there's, you know, phenomenal progress is made and I think, you know, if I think about where we were 20 years ago and how we dealt with people and patients, I think we, you, we would all have to agree there's been a huge, a huge, huge a huge yeah. gain. I, I wouldn't, couldn't agree more. That said, mm. that said, I think there's still quite a ways to go 
And I don't think it's anything to do with um, goodwill or good intentions. I think all of those things are there. I just don't think that we really understand what's actually important to people. And I don't think that we really understand the diversity and the complexity of what is important to people. So this is not amenable to to uh, sort of a recipe-based approach yes. Yes. to person-centredness. You, you simply cannot do it. I'm not like anyone else. No. I can't generalise for other people. I can't say what works for me is going to work for someone else. So, so that would be one thing. And I think the other thing is too, there's a challenge in balancing some of the logistical things that actually affect the person's experience. Mm. Um, which trade off. How so? So a good example, I think, would be in the area of things like managing people's appointments. So you have a lot of appointments yeah. when you've got cancer, yeah. lots of appointments, lots of opportunity to go to the hospital. Yes. Love it. Yes, Love yes. It. The opportunity of a lifetime. Oh, yeah. hell yes. Yeah. Hell yes. Yeah. Uh, the coffee's so much better these days. That's, <laughs> you know, that's something. I'm happy to hear that. The... Um, the, the downside to that, so, so there is a real attempt, and I think a very successful attempt, certainly where I am, at clustering appointments so that people will come in and they might have an afternoon yes. there, uh, which is great because you knock all of those appointments off, you're not in every day, it's fabulous. Yes. What happens though is that you get appointments scheduled on a 30-minute block and that means that if you're with someone where the conversation might need to delve a bit deeper than a 30-minute conversation you don't have that opportunity because you're on the treadmill yes. to keep you going. So, so that, that's a classic trade-off. It know? is a classic trade-off, yeah. yeah. And, and, and I don't know, I don't think it's easy to get around that one. I mean, I think you could, but mm. I don't think it's easy to get around. No. Yeah, as again, I don't think you could generalise it no. either to say, well, this type of appointment needs 45 minutes no. or because they're because, not always going to. it's more complex than that. It is more complex yeah. So that's that. so interesting you mm. should say that because... When we talk about person-centeredness, and, and I agree with you, Glenda, mm. there's a lot of great work mm. happening around this and people are trying Their to hardest, do something absolutely. about it. There's no doubt about mm. that. But it doesn't lend itself to easy solutions. No. And and I guess the whole thing, you know, when people say, oh, but we've changed the way we do handover and now mm. we involve the patient, mm. that's great. But that might not be great for you. But mm. the person next to you might think it's fabulous. Mm. You know, so, so I guess I'm not trying to say we can't do something about it because it's too complicated, but I think we do have to really delve deep mm. into this mm. to get it right, and it's going to take a long time. Mm. And personally, and maybe you, you, you might store this up for a little bit later, but I don't think that some clinicians are ever going to be able mm. to be what we might characterise as person-centred because mm. it's just not them. So mm. that's kind of another complication yes. as well. Yes, but, yeah. But I, 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 I would say my observation is that I'm generalising wildly and I'm being hideously ageist, but I will say this. I think that the older clinicians, and particularly the doctors, um, that is certainly true. Yep. There is that they, 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 they come with a body of evidence. They tell you, you know, you have, you have an option, here's option A, option B. The decisions have really already been made. The decisions are that you have option A or option B. Yep. And there's not a meaningful conversation about, well, what are the consequences of the options that you discarded before you came to me? Yes, yes. Whereas it, I, I see as, as they get younger, the doctors get younger, you, you're getting a more sophisticated conversation with them where they're testing the idea about how much information are you comfortable with. Oh, that's interesting. Mm. Okay. 
So do you want to have this conversation yep. will be a question that is that is asked. And so, some people will say no, won't they? That's some people will yeah, say no. Yeah. Not you, obviously. No, but some not me. Will. Not no. me. Well, I'm nosy. Yeah. I'm nosy. I want to know what's... I want to understand how decisions have been come to yes. before I'm prepared to accept that they're a valid decision for me. Yes, but, you know, Glenda, isn't that interesting you should say nosy? This is your life. Mm. This is not about being... I know you yes. didn't mean it sort yes, of in a yeah. negative way. yeah. But being nosy is your right, mm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. It, it, you shouldn't have to apologise. No. You, you weren't, but, you know, some yep. people say, oh, she's nosy, you know. That's not what you mean. You're saying, no. I need to know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, well, I need to know to be comfortable. Um, and, and, you know, the relationship will build over time with a clinician, and I think that's, you know, if you've got a period of time to spend with someone, you will get to know. And there may come a time where... You know, I'm comfortable that the way that the clinician is thinking is in fact actually meeting what I would expect them to yes. do and I don't need to yes. interrogate that or I don't feel the need to interrogate it. So that's a trust yes. issue. Yes. And that takes time. That takes time and that's trust is easily lost. Yes. Too. Okay. Yeah. Has that happened to you? Well, a little bit. A yep. little a little bit I think. And and that, you know you know, you you don't deal with just one clinician, it's a, a team of people, so we'll, we'll, we'll consider it the team. But all you need is really for one person in the team to have failed to listen to you yeah. in a matter that's subsequent, subsequently become important yeah. uh, and it's very easy for that trust to be yes. eroded. Yes. So not lost, I wouldn't say, not lost, but less. I'm, I, I feel less safe than I did before. Yes. Now that's something perhaps that from a clinical perspective or even a, a management administrative mm. perspective mm. in health, we don't understand. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it looks so easily done. And, and about matters I'm sure that clinicians would, would not necessarily even think twice no, about. No, no. But it's hit you somewhere. It, yes. But they've made a comment or said something or perhaps contradicted themselves or whatever they Yes. Do, yep. And they move on and mm. you're left with it. Yes. And and not entirely satisfied no. with it, yeah. but but they're not prepared to take it on either. That's the other. Although I think the the conversations have been had, but um, you know, it's you you one doesn't get to have the kind of conversation that gets to the nub of issues of trust yes. in a setting where you know you're talking about blood test results or cancer marker results or. You know, whatever. And you've got 30 minutes. And you've got 30 minutes. Yes. Okay. You don't get to have those no, conversations. No. So so we're not set up for patient centeredness no. from that perspective, no. structurally, yes. you would say. Yep. Mm. Could you tell us a little bit about your transition from what person-centeredness was when you were diagnosed mm. to what it is now? Mm. Sure, sure. You know, I'll, I'll just talk a little bit about the experience of finding out too because I do think it is um, a remarkable experience that we, we don't all get an opportunity to be able to identify a point in time when our life changes irrevocably. You know, we don't get that moment where just the earth shifts on its axis and that you know that nothing in life is going to be the same. It's Everything is different now. And so that's that's to have that line in the sand like that, to have a point where you can draw a line and say, before this I was X, and after I'm something different, is actually quite a remarkable place to be. And so, you know, my initial, my initial feeling was that, you know, that, that I was really being wrapped up in person-centeredness is how I felt really? because I, I felt that 
everyone was struggling so hard to get me the answers and get me into the, you know, clinics and get me to appointments, etc. Yep. And that lasted, oh, I don't know, 48 hours. That <laughs> <laughs> wasn't what I expected you to say. <laughs> not quite. It's quite it's probably a, it was probably more than 48 hours, but, you know, not longer than 72. There was a flurry. There was a flurry. There was a flurry. And, and uh, you know, my here's, this is my advice for people. If you can possibly manage it, don't get diagnosed with a serious illness just before a major holiday. So Easter, of course, mm. is not a great time. Because although we talk about our hospitals being seven days a week and 24 hours a day, they are not. No. So there were some delays. There were some other reasons for delays too, but there were some delays that were a consequence of just public holidays and people going on holidays, which doesn't make you feel great. when And, you're, and it's not person-centred. Well, no, no. They're not really no. a way of framing that. So another a, structural yeah, issue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, that a large centre, that, that's their focus and their business that a large centre could not manage this on a seven-day is really even a six-day. Yes. Even a six-day. So there was, what, there was no clinic to go to? No clinic to go, yep. there. There was no, no decision-makers. No decision-makers. Decision-makers weren't there. Uh, Follow-up of the things that could be followed up, of course, the key people who knew about them weren't there and the people who were there inadequately hand you know, didn't have enough handover to cover them so weren't able to follow up the things right. that needed miscommunication all of those kinds yes. of things everything that you would expect to happen everything that we know happens all happened wow and you know for me you know I come from the health system I, I'm there fighting the good fight with the family saying no it's it's all okay I trust this I tr- you know it'll, it's okay it'll be all right and I had a husband who was just incensed he was infuriated that yes. this was why are we why, why aren't we going privately yes. is the question. Why aren't we going privately to get this done now? Right. This is the and, – and that was a fair enough question. Yes. Why weren't we? Yes. Well, you know, that's because I'm stubborn. <laughs> now, Glenda said that first. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> and I did agree, but that's only because I've known her for a long time. <laughs> and she's stubborn like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, um, so yes, yeah, so that, that, was, that was challenged fairly early on in the piece. So that adds stress at home. Yes. Stress because you can't get to where mm. you need to go and get yeah. what you need. You yeah. get miscommunication, which I think must be one of yeah. the most stressful yeah. things. Yeah. And yet we know this is an issue. We do. And, and, you know, some of, the things, some of the things that we know are issues too, you know, it's not necessarily the fact that thing happens it's the way that we respond to them that matters and so I I think here's another little thing about me I don't like being told I'm wrong I I will wear it when I am wrong I will wear it when the possibility that I'm wrong but when I'm not wrong please don't tell me that I am Um, but that is that is kind of it's been my experience that when you bring something like actually I don't think that's what was intended here the the response that I've been getting by and large is you are wrong in the health system, by from, but the, from, from the clinicians, from not necessarily the um, all of the clinicians, but in uh, the the reception administrative oh, staff oh, that you deal with, yeah, the whole thing, yeah. the whole thing. You wow. are you are wrong. Okay. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So because you what your perspective doesn't align with that's right what they think. Yeah. Is yeah. 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 So they have an order for an X, Y, and Z. Yep. So that must be right. Ah, and the so fact that you might be saying, well, when I spoke to bloody yes. blah, blah, they said actually A, B, C. Has that happened very much? It's happened more than I expected it would. Wow. Mm. And you pick it up because you know. Because I know, yeah. What happens to the people who don't. That's right. 
Yeah, that's right, because they'll get misguided and then they'll go off and do whatever it is that they weren't required to do and then they've got a backward step. Yeah, 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 more than I expected, actually. You know, that that failure to listen for frontline people, point-of-line care, I think, um, well, I think it's highly variable depending on who you're dealing with, but, but I think the... And maybe it's because they have the least support, perhaps, in, in actually developing the skills, but the, the administrative and um, reception staff particularly, okay. I found, have struggled. Fascinating. It does make me think that maybe yes. it is a matter of they aren't actually adequately supported in doing the kind of job that they need to be doing. Yes. Do, do, do we not think, when we think about person-centred mm. care, mm. they don't spring to mind? Maybe. So we foc- we're focusing on clinicians mm. or... or, mm. or uh, I'm not quite something that happens around the bedside or in the clinic yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But then these people are all a part of that. Aren't they? they are the front line. Yes. They are the front line. I think if, you know, when, when we started talking about doing this and I was thinking about what can I add to this that is going to be helpful to other people, and I was thinking, you know, there are things that you could do every day and just think about yourself. Listen to this. Go away and think about how, how well do I do this one of those things would be to just acknowledge people when they arrive yes that's so that's not happening no not necessarily no there's a reasonable amount of the look away while i continue typing which is just makes you feel like crap feel like crap when Mm. you go to buy movie tickets yes you know exactly and and this is a whole different level yeah yeah and that stuff is so important i know i know and i i I do think it's it's i don't think it's mean spiritness or or nastiness or anything like that I i think it is possibly ignorance as much as anything and maybe a you know maybe there's a lack of importance placed on it yes ignorance lack of importance could it possibly be? I'm just super stressed, so I can't. I just can't cope with you. At this point. Possibly, possibly that's quite possible too. Yeah, yeah. You know, they are busy places, they are, they are. really busy places. Yeah, yeah. But you know, there's there's a minimum, and the minimum doesn't have to be much. No. It's a, it's making eye contact and nodding. You don't even have to smile. No. So so tell us, just tell us a little bit about the minimum. Where where have you had a fantastic experience at that front line? Yeah. That people might say, oh, it's that ingredient. Right. Yeah. Let's yeah, do something about yeah. that. Yeah. I think one of the things that struck me very early on when I was dealing with a lot of different um, medical clinicians was that they all shook hands. So when I when I was introduced or when I introduced yep. myself, yes. they, they would introduce themselves and they would shake my hand. And the, the handshaking really stood out to me as being a real leveller because it's a social thing. Yes. We, we Socially we handshake. It's not generally something that you see done in hospitals too much. No, 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 it's interesting. And so it really did. It really did make me feel like I was meeting with a fellow human being. Yes. And so, so that was that was a thing that really did did um, stand out for me. Imagine if a receptionist held her hand or his hand mm. over mm. the desk mm. and mm. greeted you and yes. took your hand. Yes. That would make a big difference. It would make a big difference. I think looking you in the eye. Yes. Would make a big difference. Yes. Yeah, I think you know. There's it, you could you could do very easily. You could look at vignettes of of. The ones who do it really well, yeah. and then the ones who are they've got a little white way to go. Yes, it wouldn't be a hard exercise to be able to pick up what are the elements of difference here, yes. and what would I prefer? And I think that um, most people would prefer the same kind of thing. So I think this is an area where you know there is a reasonable degree of generic approach that you could take. Yeah. There's a minimum standard. We don't have to vary it too much for individuals because most individuals will respond to things like eye contact. Yes. A smile the or whatever. The fundamentals 
mm. of decency yes. and communication mm. are not that different wherever you go. I, you know, mm. I work across all sectors. Yes. They don't vary. That's right. That's right. Human beings are yeah. human beings. Yeah. yeah. So so why are we missing them? What, what yeah. What's the gap that's, for that's, us that's right. in health? We started off talking about how you felt wrapped in person's Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is a beautiful term. And, and then it unraveled. Not for, not for that long, and then it kind of unraveled because holidays, right? Yes, yeah. So what's happened since in terms yeah. of your, your take on the person-centeredness of your care? Where has that gone? Well, I think it's getting more... Uh, I'm, I'm understanding exactly what it is better. Ah, well, please tell us because we are yeah. absolutely so keen to know yes <laughs> yes well i don't think my answers are actually terribly helpful because i think you know as as the as it gets more complex for me it gets a bit more difficult to explain and i'm hoping that really over the time as i go through this that i will get better at distilling some of these messages yes. and that they might be things that we might come back to sure, another yeah, time because because I, I I still find myself rabbiting a bit the the the, the, the fact that it, it can't be well I don't think it can easily be um, turned into formula or a decision tree or something the person-centeredness stuff is grounded in humanity there's parts of that humanity that is common and that we share and then there's parts of the individual that are so incredibly unique that, that there's no way that you could ever, you know, tool up yeah. some standards that are going to for make everyone. for everyone. So there are kind of your needs as a human being and, and they are the things about the need for feeling safe and the, the need for love uh, and the need to be listened to and all of those kinds of things. And then there are these other things that are about your individual characteristics that determine how you approach any problem or issue in life. So I'm a person, I need a lot of information to make me comfortable. I'm a person who likes to talk about options and I'm a person who says, when we talk about shared decision-making, I'll disagree with you because the decision is my decision. It's not yours. So there, there's that kind of personality, if you yes. like, that needs to be taken into, taken into consideration. And, and, there's, and there's that. And you might mm. say on the other end of the spectrum yeah. is the person who yeah. says, don't ask me. Uh, absolutely. And then everything in between. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think I'm, I'm, I haven't actually quite slipped into the uh, difficult patient territory yet, but I think it's possible that I'll go there. Now, so interesting you should mm. say that because I know that many people who work in consumer partnerships, mm. trying, striving yes. to make true consumer partnerships yes. in healthcare. People who are consumer advocates, all mm. sorts of people listening to this, Glenda, mm. are going to say, don't call yourself a difficult person <laughs> <laughs> because that's exactly the label we're trying to avoid because well, you're not being difficult. I know, I know. But the health system mm. is clinging to that because mm. I still hear it everywhere oh, yeah. I go. Yeah, I've heard it already. Heard it already. My sister is a pharmacist. Yes. I'm um, just talking about difficult people. Um, and we're saying difficult now in inverted commas. Right? Please, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, please yes, please. Yes. Yeah, we, don't, we don't need the um, society coming after us. <laughs> no. Um, no, all respect to pharmacists. Having a pharmacist in the family when you're dealing with chemotherapy and with oh, all wow. of this drug therapy has been enormously helpful. Oh, wow. Yeah. And um, having her by my side yes. in those conversations has been really helpful oh, as well. Wow. But we did we did actually have the day when someone came up to me and said, "Oh, um, oh, that's your sister. She's 
your sister, the pharmacist, you know, oh, yeah. so... With the look. With the look, yeah. I think. And the so tone. The tone. Yes. The tone was there. So this wasn't a, oh, your sister, the pharmacist. No, 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 no. Wow. And, and okay. there's, there's nothing that, that um, my sister's done that's been in any way difficult. She's not well, a difficult well, person. Well, she's been, I presume, and I'm only presuming, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm yeah. presuming she's been assertive. Professional and assertive, yes. Yes, that would be exactly what she's been. Yeah. So um, I, I take the point about the difficult patient. I, th- I think I, I would be happy to wear it as a rebellion. Yes. You, um, yes, I, and that's very you. Mm. A lot of people who are labelled that don't even know they've been labelled that. You yeah, know that because yes. you know the signs. I know the signs. And you know your sister and yeah, you know yeah. those interactions and yes. you can hear the tone and you know yeah. the signs. What would it take to eliminate that from the lexicon of health? I think while we're still calling people difficult mm. labelling mm. or family mm. members particularly, that is the biggest barrier to mm. true consumer-centredness. Yeah. And it's real and it's tangible and it's very much alive. As you're it saying. is very much alive. I, I think that there is inherently there is a sense of other about the patient yep. um, and the families. Still. Yes. Yes. So, so patients and families, we are not of the same material as the clinicians and carers and people around us so and and much in the way that you know having a handshake feels like an actor putting their hand through the i know i could never remember whether it's the third or the fourth wall but you know where you turn to stage and acknowledge the existence of the people around you while that felt like that I, i think that doesn't exist in the interactions that you have at the point of care in most healthcare settings it still feels like there is a there is a them and then there's this sort of barrier and then there is you so we do we do we reciprocate this that's the other thing too do we treat the clinicians etc as though they are human uh maybe not maybe we're complicit as patients in how we handle that Maybe there's an expectation that mm. that's the way it is. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, maybe I know. I did. I overheard someone talking the other day to uh, some of the nursing staff and and telling them how wonderful they were and what a fabulous job they did and you know that people didn't acknowledge them and I thought I it's, it's it sounded almost like Stockholm syndrome to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. I did wonder at why you would feel the need for that kind of a conversation, and then I thought, well, maybe I'm just mean. Mm. Well, but, yeah. Well. You're also a nurse, so mm. that gives you a different perspective on Yes, that. yes, it does. I mean, the, the element of gratitude mm. in health oh. and aged care and all the aged yes. care people out there going, mm, it's, it's a real overlay on all this. Yes, I you think. should be thankful. You should be thankful. Mm. That, well, I think that's got generations on it, though, hasn't it? That's, that's, that's back from the church and centuries, charities. Yeah. Centuries, yes. And, and mm. it may not be such an overlay for you because mm. you come at it from such an a different, informed and different perspective mm, but yeah. I think for a lot of people yeah it's still there and I don't know how you have a partnership yeah when you're also supposed to feel grateful that's right when yes when, when you actually aren't empowered yes. to mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah I think too that the one of the things that's really struck me too because I do I, not that I not that I probe in a way that is inappropriate or or distressing for people but I do try and sound people out a little bit about what they might know or not know about quality and safety I don't I don't think I don't think I'm obvious I hope that someone would tell me if I was being obvious 
<laughs> I wonder. Uh, yeah, I wonder whether they would as well. I don't mind people knowing. Like, I don't, I'm not. I'm not dissembling. But I have been surprised. I think at the disconnect between what I thought people at the bedside would be talking about, thinking about, mulling over, playing with, and what they're actually doing. Different things, different worlds entirely. Can you explain that a little bit? Well, I think with the person-centredness, I think the person-centredness is really, um, for in my experience, so this is my limited experience, but in my ex- limited experience is that, that they are words on paper, yeah. just words on paper and 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 meaningless. And yet I have seen some wonderful person-centred care. So tell us about the contradiction there. So the contradiction there is that, that the wonderful person-centred care was, and, and I'm thinking about a particular team of nurses on a particular day where they just had they had a very busy shift going on. They had a lot of things up in the air and they knew exactly what needed to be happening next for everyone. And furthermore, they were doing the extra kind of things that people who are looking that little bit further mm. do, right. uh, which are things like making sure, you know, X person gets to sit by the window rather than Y person because they're going to be there for longer. Right. Yes. And little and questions about uh, questions that they're asking about home, about transport, about about the whole gamut. Thoughtful. 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 Really thoughtful. Thoughtful, efficient, effective, safe. They were the whole package. Wow. Okay. They were That's just a quality consumer experience. Yes. Absolutely. So have you got any concept of how that happened on that shift? Yeah, I think it was the individuals. I think it's the individuals that have come together there. I suspect it's possibly the culture of that group yep. and that, that there was the serendipity to bring together, you know, people who were working very well together. Yep. So in terms of let's kind of wrap up, you know, we've really mm. been focused on, on person-centredness. We've gone mm. a bit all over the place, but it's, mm, been, yes. absolutely, no, it's been absolutely <laughs> fascinating. What would you say to people who are out there saying, we so want to do it well? Mm. I, I think we do this bit well. I don't think we do that bit well. Mm. If people were to focus, say, for the next 12 months in their mm. health service mm. and say, right, on this thing, the next 12 months, we are not doing anything else until we get this right, or two or three things, doesn't have to be one, mm. what would be the things that you would say would make the biggest difference for you as a patient? Mm. I, I think there's probably one thing, and I think if, if you've got the opportunity, in fact, no, you should seek out the opportunity, you should actively seek out the opportunity to speak to as many people as you possibly can and listen to what they've got to say. So I don't, don't talk, I'm not talking about great big, you know, um, you, you know, consultations or feedback sessions or surveys or that sort of stuff. I mean, actually talking to someone that you've run into in the corridor you see them and you say, hi, how are you going today? Yes. How, how is it for you today? Yes. yes. And then you listen to what they've got to say. Yes. And you don't let yourself say anything else except maybe ask a question. Don't just, – just take that opportunity because people are willing to give you gifts everywhere. And, and if you sit in a waiting room for long enough, you will hear the, the most lovely wisdom you'll hear – patients offering peer support to each other, you'll hear people giving practical advice to each other, you'll hear 
conversations about health literacy, you will be surprised at what you would hear with people talking amongst themselves when they think no one is listening. So you should go and sit in a waiting room. Sit in a waiting room. Not once. No, not once. Not once. As many times as you have a chance. If you've got 10 minutes, give yourself 10 minutes to ask someone, how are you today? How is, how is it going for you today? And as I say, and listen, really listen to what it is that they've got to say. Don't think you've got the answers. Just listen. Yep. Yeah. yeah. You're not there to rescue. No, you're not there to you're rescue. You're there to hear. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that would be one thing. That would be my one. And I think that would be like the one thing. The one thing. Okay. The one thing. Because I think it's, well, I mean, apart from, you know, make an effort to smile at people. Yes. Uh, or at least look at them if you can't bring yourself to smile if the day's too much. Acknowledgement is what mm. I'm hearing a lot of. Yes. Acknowledgement of you as another mm. human being. Yes. Let alone me, yep. another human being. Yep. Is total complete yep. bugger of a situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. 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 What do you think about the way we're trying to promote consumer centeredness and consumer partnerships? Mm. Now, I'm, and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, I'm just trying to let you know what I'm thinking so yes. you can refute it if you yep. want. I am a bit stuck on this, this issue around. Are we going down the wrong track because clinicians are, are not primarily there in their own minds mm. to create a partnership with you? Mm. And that's a hard mindset to shift. We mm. might shift it one day. Mm. I think it's a very long-term kind mm. of view. As you say, some of the younger people kind of mm. get it a bit more. Yeah. I think it's a very long-term view. Yeah. Is there something that we could do differently out of left field that would have a more immediate effect, do you think? Mm, actually, that, that is one to think on, I think. that's, yeah. that's okay. I don't think we I have got an answer. Yeah, time, yeah. yeah. Um, not a sensible answer at this point at any rate. I'm only to just acknowledge that, you know, some of these transitions, they are the work of generations. And, and as much as we might like to, you know, to force the thing along to revolution, oftentimes that's not terribly successful and we do have to just wait for you know the children and their children and their children yes. yeah. to to learn from our mistakes yeah. sadly that's the case in many areas yes. and I think that that might be largely the case here too yes I think some of it will be driven by you know young people themselves and what what their expectations are yeah. so that that will be the kind of the trigger will come from yes. from the ground if you like and that's on both sides isn't it? Mm. younger people meeting the health system, mm. a younger generation mm. that is more assertive and mm. has more expectations that mm. you mm. will tailor to my mm. needs. Absolutely. And hopefully a younger generation mm. clinically mm. who will meet them halfway yes. in yes. that and have a common understanding. Yes. Because I don't think we have a common understanding no. now and that, that's, pro no. pro that's no. a big barrier. It is. It is. Possibly technology, apps, that sort of thing that I think help the yeah. consumer to weave and navigate mm. through all that to be mm. able to create more of a partnership approach yes i'm hoping yes you know? I, I, yes i think technology will will help i think there's a there's a risk you know with increasing specialization and just the increasing complexity of you know the the science of medicine and and the science really of all of the all of the health professions is that as that gets more tricky for them to navigate it, it becomes more difficult to actually to to translate that and it's not reasonable i don't think to expect that your consumers, your patients, your, you know, however you want to characterise them, it's not reasonable to expect that they will be able to meet you on those grounds in terms of understanding. Yes. So it's hard so enough for the clinician. It's yeah? hard enough for the clinician. Yeah. So, so that then means, well, then 
you know, it, it, is the communication strong enough? Are the clinicians strong enough in their communication skills to deliver? Are the patients strong enough in their communication skills to receive the message or is in fact there going to be an increasing gap in there that's going to need and maybe that's where technology yes actually can, can covers help. that covers yeah. that ground perhaps yes, yes, but let's let's talk about that some more that'll be we, fun we will because mm. you know the fact sheet thing mm. and the ask yep. this and what i mean they're great go go to your doctor ask these questions yes 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 mm. but you've as you've just so beautifully mm. described mm. there's an awful lot around that yes and those tools are fantastic but they don't always work they don't no. always fit and no. they're not always well received. Yes. Yeah. One last question about a consumer focus. Mm -hmm. Should every patient, consumer, resident, client, whatever yeah. sector we're in, have an advocate? No. No. Tell me why. Oh, well, actually, maybe I, I might change my mind about that one. Well, for me, I say no, and I say no so quickly, and this is, this is about personality. Yep. Uh, this is about me saying, actually, I don't need anyone to stand yes. up for me because I can stand up for myself. Thank you yes. very much. Yeah. Um, but that said, that said, I do find myself slipping into the good patient role. And in fact, I've been really lucky. I've had, a, you know, my sister and some very dear friends have been with me a lot of the way in many of the meetings. And so I've actually had a person who's been there, who's been... Ah, so you kind of have had. I have had, in yeah, fact, an advocate mm. there. And we would, we would actually talk about what questions did we want to make sure we covered in the... In the um, well, I would call them a meeting, but the appointment. Yes. And she would just monitor that yes. as, we were, as we were there. Right. So... Mm. Yes. So, so, oh, it's so, okay. So no, but I had one anyhow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's so interesting. And, and once again, I'm certainly not trying to put words in, in mm. your mouth, but, you know, it's a bit of a debate around this mm. that perhaps that is a bit of a shortcut, is, mm. is having an advocate yeah. for everybody, whether they think they need it or not. I don't yeah, know. Or yeah. obviously the right to refuse. Mm. Is, that, is that kind of Well, I think if you, if you didn't make an industry out of it, right. I reckon, I reckon yes. that making an industry out of these roles yeah. is actually not helping. So... Okay. There are a stack of new roles, the coordinator roles, navigator yes. roles, this yes. kind of yes. stuff, yes. and I think that they are turning into an industry and in that turning into an industry, they are actually losing the benefit. The, the benefit of having an advocate like mine who was a mate who had a little bit of savvy about the area was that we just sat down and we talked about the questions that were important to me yes. and we'd have a conversation about that before and then it, it was... You know, it was really the stuff that I was wanting to cover, you know. So everything can become formulaic. Mm. Mm. Once again, Glenda, thank you oh, so much. It's I, a great pleasure. I appreciate it uh, hugely, as you know. Thanks a lot, Cathy. <laughs>